1979. A nuclear reactor at Three Mile Island has a partial meltdown. While in Cincinnati, 11 fans are killed at a Who concert trying to get into the venue. Meanwhile, the Voyager 1 spacecraft observes the rings of Jupiter. And who else is in outer space? James Bond. It's time for the last action marker! Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. It is I, Sphinx, and with us as always, LPJ. Hey, guys. Going on. And Hovercraft Joe. What's up, guys? And it wouldn't be a Last Action Podcast episode of James Bond without our good buddy, Craig WK. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Yeah. Pleasure as always. You're all contractually, contractually <laughs> obligated to have me on every James Bond episode. <laughs> That's what you keep telling us. Like I, I, I had mentioned kind of offhand we wanted to do this, and you're like, you know, I have to be here. Well, we just showed up at the studio, and he was sitting here, and he's like, hey, guys. <laughs> we were like, what? I think I remember one morning like waking up, and I had like blood on my <laughs> finger, and there was like, I think my, I think he signed like a contract. <laughs> Listen, with my blood, listen, committing is, us to this. It is illegal for me to force you to sign something, but if you're a little drunk <laughs> and you don't remember, well, that's not the law's fault. It's your fault for being drunk. You shouldn't have been that, that way. Sounds like something James Bond would say. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, we are doing 1979's Moonraker, which is the 11th movie in the James Bond franchise. Uh, it was a summertime flick, like mm-hmm. most of the Bond movies were uh, in the early days. came out on June 29th. Which, yeah, uh, as of, uh, obviously, as of when we're recording this now, we're only like a week away from its 40th anniversary. So, yeah. Or it happened a week ago, its it 40th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, so. So, 40 years. Does this movie look like it aged well in 40 <laughs> I years? Don't know. It, it, Hard you know, to say. Some parts I'd say yeah. yeah. Uh, other parts maybe not <laughs> as much. It, it, it weirdly, for whatever reason, doesn't feel 40 years old to me, though. This movie uh, is basically as old as uh, LBJ and I. It is. It's true. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's really pretty close to it as old as me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's aged. It, never mind. I'm not gonna get into. This. I'm not gonna say whether or not it's aged well. <laughs> Did you ever see a Bond movie, a Roger Moore Bond, uh, in the theater? Because you would have been like five, no, maybe six. No. no, the first Bond I saw in the theater was uh, Goldeneye. Yeah, oh, same with yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, me too. Then okay, I was just curious since you guys are old as hell. So. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to just, just wanted ah, to bring that. Back. Thank you oh, for that. That was no good. Thank you. No nice. Um. I guess we can share though when what our first memories are of Moonraker though, uh, if you can remember what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. All right, go ahead, Craig. Start uh, so 
I, I had mentioned in a, a previous episode, uh, when it came to James Bond, me and my buddy Andy were just eating it up. We just needed more and more. And this was another one of the movies that we rented on VHS from the video store. Uh, and um, even like back then, I watched this and I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> I did not like Moonraker when I was a kid. I watched it then. And I got a confession. Aside from a few scenes here and there, since I was a child, like, I don't know, like, you know, uh, how old would I have been? Probably like late elementary school, early middle school. I had not watched Moonraker in its entirety since uh, until I was doing research for this show. Yeah. I. And so, like, I, I think Moonraker was rented with, like, Goldfinger. And so it was like, <laughs> I have Goldfinger, and I have Moonraker, and it was like, what is happening? Why is one so good and another one trash? You're calling this movie trash? Now, hear me out throughout the episode. <laughs> okay. Having gone through it again, yeah. uh, things are maybe a little different. I'll say for me... I've mentioned this with some of our other Bond movies as well. I remember, you know, on TBS, they would have the the 14 days of 007, whatever it was. Oh, so good. And this was one that, when I first saw it, it was the space scene. So when I was, you know, just flipping <laughs> through and it was Bond, yeah, I was kind of like, wait a minute, what, what's Bond doing in space? <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is Moonraker this is great. James Bond in space, yeah. space, space, space. And space. so this is actually one of the last ones that I actually saw in its entirety. So it always seemed like whenever it was on TV, I was always catching like the end of it. Uh -huh. um, and when I finally like rented it as well to see the whole thing, yeah. like I had no idea that actually the majority of the movie is not space at all. Uh -huh. So I was kind of like, you know, a little bit younger Sphinx was waiting for that space part to happen. And I think as a kid, I was like, come on, come on, when's it coming? When's it mm -hmm. coming? And then I, as an adult, I'm like, yeah, I should have never showed up to be after all. <laughs> Um, I I feel like with these ones for me, I have a I have a hard time distinguishing like anything before, uh, like we just said, like uh, like Golden Goldeneye, the first one I saw in the theater. I remember that. Anything before it, I couldn't pull out a specific memory of when the first time I saw yeah. it because I just saw all of them when I was younger and saw them multiple times. I will say this: I did when we were doing our now famous uh, James Bond month. Uh, and we were discussing our... I love how you classified it as famous. Famous. <laughs> so famous. Uh, when we talked about our five favorite and our five least favorite, I did watch this one to re-familiarize myself with it. Yeah. So I have seen it, you know, two times now in a relatively short span. Uh, I will say this. I went back and listened to some of that episode. There are three people in this room who had Moonraker on their list of their five <coughs> least favorite. <laughs> yeah. And there was only one who didn't. And now we're throwing it to LBJ. Unrelated? <laughs> I didn't have it on my bottom. Right. Right. Um, I don't ever, I don't remember when I saw this in its entirety. I only remember seeing parts of it just randomly, either on TBS or yeah. Spike TV had it on a couple times even. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spike TV. Forgot about that. Yeah, they, they took it over for a little, it took over the Bond franchise for mm -hmm. a while. And so this is the first time that I physically that I actually remember watching it obviously start to finish. Yeah. Um other than that, you know, I'm sure we had rented it at some point and watched yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have no I have no recollection of when <laughs> that would have happened. Um I I guess just to start to get in everything here, I have the budget 
of this at 34 million, which I mean, I guess back then was a lot. Maybe. Oh, it's huge. I, I oh, found back out then, yeah. it was two times the budget as the previous Bond film, oh, The Spy Who Loved I have a pop quiz. Oh. Ooh. The budget of this film was almost as much as how many of the previous Bond films combined? Oh, I don't know. I know the answer, so I'll wait. <laughs> I, I think the answer is all of them. No. No. Uh, well, if it was if it was double the previous one, I'm going to say it was the equivalent of like the three previous Bond movies. Does that it, sound right? It was the equivalent of eight previous yeah. Bond films. Wow. Which is the Seriously? 11th. So it is almost all of them. Right. Wow. The first, Seriously. The first eight Bond films. Yeah, okay. So I was almost that yeah, you, No, you weren't that far <laughs> off. Wow! So, yeah, that's crazy. Because the first Bond movie was only like not even half a mil, I don't think. So I think it was seventeen dollars. Like <laughs> they so paid Sean Connery a sandwich, <laughs> pretty much. So thirty-four million dollar budget, a domestic gross of seventy million, which is good, respectable. Yep. A worldwide gross of two hundred and ten million dollars. Which in nineteen seventy-nine, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. And that is the uh, uh, the highest grossing Bond film until Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And you know, it, it seems crazy because when when you think about Moonraker, it was made before what for your eyes only. Yep. Because of the fact of the Star Wars craze. Correct. They they were really excited. They were like, "Oh, Star Wars is popular. Let's go ahead and just pump this movie that has a little bit of space in it. We'll hype up the space stuff for the uh, trailer, and then from there we'll go ahead and uh, you know make bank." And they weren't wrong. No. <laughs> they totally called it, and they had it. And it's funny, because you said that there's not that much space in the movie, but uh, I watched on YouTube the old trailer, mm -hmm. and it's almost entirely in space. Like, the, the narrator's like, the, this James Bond film is out of this world. Yeah. And they keep saying that over and over in the trailer, and like to the point where by the end of it, the trailer once again is like, this James Bond, and I'm like, it's out of this world. It's out of this world. It's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. And uh, yeah, it's a whole bunch of like space scenes. And there's other scenes. Too, it's just the beauty of Cubby Broccoli, the producer, uh -huh. to 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 know what the market is at at that point. He's like, well, fuck, you know, Star Wars two years ago just obliterated everything. He's like, we got to send Bond into space. Like, we, well, we have to. Yeah. To the because point where the, the previous well, movie, yeah. they had announced that Four yeah. Years only, only was going to be the next one. Right. Yeah. Oh. The end of Spy Who Loved yeah, Me. Yeah, it's a James Bond will return in Four, Four Years only. only. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. So then going into Moonraker itself, so it's the third book that Ian Fleming did. It's actually the last book that became a movie of, of Ian Fleming. So Ian Fleming had... Uh, he had 13 books, I believe. Two mm -hmm. of them were like short stories. Yeah. So some of the short story titles are like For Your Eyes Only and actually Quantum of Solace. Quantum Solace yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. Um, but in terms of a full novel, Moonraker, even though it was the third book he, he wrote, it was the last one to be a Bond movie. But there is like nothing from the book in this in that <laughs> in the movie at all. Like not besides like the characters' names, that's about it. Um, Hugo Drax in the book is a ex-Nazi that, oh. that is an industrialist, kind of like what we see here. He wants to, um, he's supposed to be responsible for like some missile defense for England, mm -hmm. but instead he's like secretly like planning to launch a nuclear weapon on London. And so Cubby Broccoli was like, 
that's boring. It's like that's out of date. Is that? no one no one's gonna care about that anymore. He's like, we gotta go to fucking outer space, and the villains gotta want to wipe out the entire Earth. They all right, the shark. It's funny because like honestly, when you tell me that idea, I think, oh wow, that I I think I would rather have that as the Bond. Movie. I kind of thought so too. I'm like, like that, that sounds, sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, it's way more. But then in the previous one, Spy Who Loved Me, you know, he's got the two nuclear weapons shooting off against each other, right? The superpowers going off Mm -hmm. against each other. So it would have been a step back from that. So that's true. Which is crazy, too, because then For Your Eyes Only is very like rogue. Like it is not that crazy intensity at all that we see in these prior Roger Moore films. Right. Actually, is one of my favorite ones, For Your Eyes Only. It's not the only link to For Your Eyes Only. (laughs) There's another link to uh, the previous Bond movie. Oh, yeah. Well, you're just talking about the ending credit, right? No. Oh, Jaws. No, Jaws is in Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, it's Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah, oh, you're right. I'm Jaws sorry. Yes. This second is second right? Yes, this is yeah. his second and final appearance. For Your Eyes Only is the next one. Uh, right. Next one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was getting those mixed no, up. No, no, you're good. <laughs> it's the two really good Roger Moore films, so it's just sort of <laughs> blended together in my mind. Yeah. Uh, circling back, uh, we talked about how much money it made. This actually was the ninth highest grossing film of 1979. Um, I don't think you'll get any of these, so we'll just kind of breeze through it. But do you have any idea of the top three grossing films of 1979? Uh, I would have no idea. Yeah. these are... Oh, uh, maybe uh, Alien? Didn't Alien come out in 79? I, I think it might have, but it wasn't in the top three. Oh. So you wouldn't have... Was got... there... Um... I know the first Star Trek movie came out in 79. It wasn't in the top three. Well, it's a terrible movie. So. <laughs> I, I the really, only thing I'm thinking is maybe like uh, like Godfather Part 2. I yeah. really, I'd be surprised if you get it. So I'm just going to go through them. So number one was Kramer vs. Kramer. Okay. okay. Number okay. two was. Never seen it. But. Number two was the Amityville Horror. Oh, okay. okay. And oh. number three was Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Oh, that makes oh. sense. Okay. So. Uh, and while we're kind of talking about that, I'll throw this out now. The Rotten Tomatoes score on this was 63%. Yeah. Seems about right. Audience score, 43%. Yeah. So, for Moonraker? For Moonraker, yeah. I don't, so the critics I, liked it more than, um, well, I guess today's I fans. mean, over time. Yeah, over time. I yeah. feel like that's pretty low. <laughs> I agree. I think it's pretty low, too. <laughs> I mean, don't be wrong. Moonraker is not a perfect <laughs> film, but having gone through it again... I definitely have a lot more appreciation now than I did when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. Uh, do we want to get through our uh, lightning round? Sure. Do that right yeah, now? we can do, do it. Let's do it. All right. So, I got seven questions for us. Okay. Question number one The cable that Jaws bites into. Licorice. Oh, good work. <laughs> I was going to just that thing popped in my head, too. I was like, oh, I bet he's going to ask if it was licorice. Number two, how many times did they rewind the camera for the final space battle? I'll talk about that method later. Three, five, seven, 40. Oh, my God. <laughs> what film did Moonraker lose best visual effects to? You guys actually already mentioned it. Apocalypse Now. Alien. Alien is ah, That was my own. What does Moonraker mean in real life? Ugh, I saw this, but I, I have no idea. I saw it, but I skipped it. I mean, boring. it's the <laughs> it's the name of the spaceship. Uh, it's got to be something to do with like the moon and the light waves or something. You're really close. I, I'm not sure. That's just what I'm guessing. It's a synonym for the moon sail, which is the highest sail on a ship. 
Ah. Yeah. Okay. That Bo- I did read that. Yeah. Bond only uses a gun once in the whole movie. When it's when he shoots the guy yeah, out of the tree. Yeah. When he's fighting on the tracks. Okay. Well, he said it first. <laughs> That's my pop quiz too. <laughs> oh, sorry. How long is the flight via Concorde from Paris to Rio? Two hours. Forty minutes. Seven days. <laughs> Five hours. None of you were. Even somehow two hours was the closest there. And finally, how fast in knots can a boat travel in Venice's canals? Ten uh, knots. Five. Two. Five. Woo! Nailed it. Which is 5.7 miles an hour. So nobody won. <laughs> Total shot in the dark. Yep. Good work. Nice. There you go. Good lightning round, Sphinx. Yeah, thank you. The Concorde I thought was interesting. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Like you're going from Paris to Rio de Janeiro, which is like seven thousand miles in five and a half hours. Mm. That's crazy ass fast. Uh oh, off the fly here. What happened to that specific uh, Concorde? Oh, I don't know that. No, like no the clue. one that was shot in the, the film. The one that was shot in the film. Yeah, I don't know. Because all the concords, <laughs> all any concord you see in a film, has obviously they've been decommissioned, yeah. and there weren't that many. So if you oh. see a concord in a film, you can find out what happened to it. What happened to it? I don't know. It's a plane. It crashed. <laughs> no, actually, it was one of the ones that did not crash. Oh, all right, or get decommissioned. Uh, it wound up in a museum or something. It did. It, it wound up in the Smith, in the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum. Yeah. it belongs in a museum. Sweet. <laughs> this is, we once imagined James Bond was on this Concord jet. <laughs> Put it the Smithsonian. That's right. Uh, in terms of cast, I mean, uh, our, our Bond is Roger Moore, which yep. this is the first time we're, we're doing a Bond movie with Roger Moore. It's oh, true, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and Roger Moore is probably my favorite Bond, which Ooh. is bizarre to me Ooh. because some of his movies are trash, but I just love <laughs> I just love Roger Moore. I like Roger Moore himself is is pretty charming. I do think that like if even if we're just looking at Moonraker, he has a few good lines, a few eh lines and some cheesy kind of campy lines. I feel like he's a little bit more I don't know, a little bit more of a like funnier Bond, so, oh, so to sure. speak. Oh, you know? Yeah, he's definitely a lighter Bond. Yeah, very, very much lighter. And I, I, I don't think that fits <laughs> with the novelization of Bond. I don't think that fits with a lot of other Bonds. But I do think that there is a place for that. And I think the era he was making movies in, I feel like that just sort of fit better. You know, I, I don't yeah. think that it makes it better, but I think it fit better for that era. And, and I think as well, you know, Sean Connery was definitely more grittier, so they moved to this campier Roger Moore. And I think we see currently kind of the reverse, that Piers Bronson was way campy as well, so they had to go to a more grittier Daniel Craig. Well, Even though these last few Daniel Craigs have been I, I think cheesier. May, I mean, mm-hmm. we're not here to debate Bonds. I think maybe <laughs> I think maybe Pierce Brosnan's movies were campier. I think he was a more serious Bond trapped in yeah, I terrible campy I movies. I could see that. Because there there are definitely like serious moments in, in some of his movies, but that's not Moonraker. <laughs> so that, that deserves like a, a Patreon we'll, special. Yeah, we'll at some say point. that for our next Bond special. There you go. Uh, besides that, oh man. I oh, lost... you were talking about the uh, cast though? I was, yeah. I just lost track of who I had here. Oh, here we go. Uh, Michael Lonsdale is Hugo Drax. Um, I have, and if you can, uh, uh, queue up the Queen you know, Hot. Uh, yeah, thank you. You should have said pop quiz. Pop quiz, thank you. <laughs> uh, what video game? Now, he's technically voiced in, uh, uh, voiced two video game characters. However, 
Michael Lonsdale himself has voiced Hugo Drax in a James Bond video game. Which James Bond video game was it? Uh, I saw this, and now I can't remember what it was. It was... It was one of the ones where it wasn't based. It had its own name, I think. Was like it, it was Nightfire? Like it was original. It was like an original. Not title. Nightfire. It's not Nightfire. Then it's um. No idea. Yeah, I can't oh, remember. I can't think of the name. It's now. something I like give up. A, yeah. 007 Legends from 2012. Uh, oh. Gotcha. He, he voiced himself, though. <laughs> so he's still cool. alive then, huh? Uh, well, at that time. At, at I, that time, I think, was, I, mean, I think he's still alive now, guys. I, I think he is. I'm pretty sure he I is. I think he is, too. Another one of the actors on this Damn, list that I was looking at that isn't Roger Moore, because he, of course, sadly passed. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, there is uh, another person who died who I thought might have been alive, but uh, Michael Lonsdale, I'm pretty sure, is alive. Yeah, I think he's alive, too. We'll get to that in a second when I talk about net worth. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's crazy. And then the only other ones, well, Bernard Lee is M. This yep. was his last role as M. Oh, this is his last one? Yeah, yep. he really? died right before they were going to start yeah, filming. Yeah, they said he died during pre-production of the next one, yeah. Yeah. That's and uh, Desmond Lewin is Llewellyn. Q. Llewellyn <laughs> is Q. I always, I always mispronounce his last name, yeah. Uh, and then our Bond girl is Lois Childs, uh, who is Dr. Holly Goodhead. <laughs> Name, uh, which that is that might uh, that one and Pussy Galore are probably the two worst. So right? bad, yeah, it's real bad. It's rough. I guess I saw I couldn't get it verified, but something I saw on, on IMDb said that she was pregnant. pregnant. I saw that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah that she was really? pregnant during filming. Yeah, yeah, the entire time. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and originally she was going to be Anya uh, Amasova from The Spy Who Loved Me. She was going to be that Russian spy. She oh. turned it down because she had retired from acting. Huh. But then she came back? She coincidentally, I don't even know how this happens, <coughs> she was on a plane and was seated next to Lewis Gilbert, the director. Oh, And they weird. were just chit-chatting, and she's like, I like to be in Bond again. I'll, I'll, you know, if you're willing to have <laughs> me, I'll do Bond. And he's like, all right, you're there. But like, <laughs> That's what, it? what are the damn odds that you end up on the same plane next to she was the director him. of Bond. It she made a mistake, and she was like, I need to fix this. <laughs> Definitely could have been. I just find that pretty crazy. Now, there's another actor I wanted to chat about a bit. Okay. Uh, Richard Keel, who uh, plays oh, yeah, Jaws. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Absolutely. And now here, it wouldn't be an episode of Last Action Podcast if I didn't talk about a villain and the sort of the behind the scenes of the goon. Uh, Richard Keel plays Jaws. Uh, Richard Keel was born in Detroit. Oh. And for oh. those who don't know, uh, uh, our podcast is in you know out of the Detroit area. Uh, he had uh, acromegaly. Uh, I think it's how you pronounce that. A hormonal Acroma- con- Acroma- Ma- acromegalia. Megalia. Megalia. I think. Oh, I uh, yeah, broke that down wrong. <clears throat> uh, it's a hormonal condition which caused his large size because the dude is like seven two. Yeah, he's, he's enormous. Uh, he worked as like a nightclub bouncer and a cemetery plot salesman before he moved on to acting which i want you to imagine someone knocking at your door you look up and there's this seven (laughs) foot tall giant who's like i'd like to talk about putting you in a hole (laughs) how amazing would that be also terrifying uh (laughs) and then otherwise uh a couple of things to note uh he was in the twilight zone episode to serve man uh, he was Mr. Larson in Happy Gilmore, yeah, yeah. which is probably one of, his, on the head. Uh, <laughs> one of the more well-known uh, uh, roles yeah. he had. And his last role is he voiced Vlad in the movie Tangled, uh, the Disney oh, movie. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I have another pop quiz for you guys. Pop 
Richard Keel voiced himself as Jaws in a video game. I'll give you a hint. It's not 007 Legends. Damn what it. That was my was guess. It? Um, was it the Nightfire one then? Nope. No. Goldeneye? No. It's one I didn't have any vocals. I, didn't really have any. I think I saw this, and I feel like it's like no uh, a title they created like like Nightfire, but it's like, oh, memories never die or something. You're not, you're something not, like like a created title for like a Bond movie. James Bond 007, everything or nothing. Everything uh, or nothing. Okay. Yeah, I knew oh, it was which something. is Eon, the name of their production company. Correct. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Michael Lonsdale is still alive. Excellent. He I thought is so. 88 years old. Shout out to Michael Lonsdale. <laughs> he looks the exact same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Good. Good yeah. on him. He, he looks good. Not changed. Good on him. Well, um, so yeah. now, that, now that we've confirmed that, do we want to segue into some uh, net worth real quick? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. It won't take long because I don't look up net worth of dead people because they probably still have them, but I just, you know, we don't All need right, to talk. Fair enough. So Michael Lonsdale, what do you think for Michael Lonsdale net worth? Five million. Okay. I... I mean, you know, he, he probably gets a cut of like some some like sales on on Bond movies, you know, right? So I don't know, maybe ten million. Okay, you got a smirk on your face. So it's either crazy high or like he's in the red. <laughs> he also had a so lot of. I'm French gonna movies. go with. I'm gonna go with like a hundred mil. No, I mean, I just, I, I just, I just felt like that some of those guesses were a bit generous for this guy who voiced a video game character and was in a Bond movie. Uh, One point seven million. Okay. So you okay. know, respectable. Well, he, I mean, he I just had a hundred million. He was in a bunch of French movies. Yeah. I didn't know if that was maybe oh. like you know going to bring him up or anything. I don't know anything about those movies, but I know that's what he like was doing when he wasn't Hugo Drax. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is I don't know how to say her last name. Lois. I think it's Childs. Childs. That's what yeah. I said. Lois Childs. Childs. It looks yeah. like Chili's. So. Chile's. <laughs> so Lois Childs. What do you think for her? I know she's also been in some other stuff. I'll say eight million. Okay. I uh, one point two million. Okay. Lois Chili's is worth <laughs> one point two baby back ribs. <laughs> <laughs> it is two million dollars. So, okay. and that is all I have for net worth. All right. All right. Let's close that out. <laughs> <Cha-ching>. <laughs> Fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, I think we're ready to get into this plot, right? Well, we'll we have to do the music. Have to direct the oh, music. I can't. How did I forget the music? <laughs> I don't know how you forgot this music. God, the I music love is it. so good. So the song, uh, Moonraker, is performed by Shirley Bassey. Oh, who was it supposed to be if it wasn't her, though? It was supposed to be Johnny Mathis, mm-hmm. who actually started working on the song and then just bailed. Yeah, well, actually, wasn't bailed it bailed really late. Wasn't it originally supposed to be Frank Sinatra? It was supposed to be Frank Sinatra as well, but it wasn't going to be the song Moonraker. He was oh. working on a different song that was going to have a different title. Okay. Um, but yeah, he also bowed out. And then, yeah, Mathis bailed out at the last minute. Bassey recorded it two weeks before the London premiere. Because Kate Bush turned it down, too. Yes. A whole bunch of people could have had this song and did not. Yeah. And so she, Bassie hates this song. From she what does. I yeah. She has only sang it one other time. And it was like in 2005, she was doing like a medley of her three Bond songs she did. Because the other ones are Goldfinger, which we've done an episode mm-hmm. on Goldfinger. But then, do you know the other song? Diamonds, Diamonds are, are Forever. forever. Yeah, Diamonds I, are I mean, forever. this is, I mean... You guys are giving it praise, but it's definitely the weakest of her Bond themes. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah. it, it's one of the weakest Bond themes in general, in my opinion. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, yeah, I have I a special place in my heart for this song because I had the a CD collection of like a bunch of the Bond songs, and for oh. some reason, I really, really enjoyed this one. And it was just this song and the Die Another Day song over and over again. <laughs> On loop. 
repeated. Yeah, over wait a minute. Maybe we can't trust yeah, we your can't, opinion yeah, on yeah, Bond themes. I'm not themes. trusting Craig's opinion on any Bond themes after analyze. <laughs> Have this, you not heard this. me talking about any of the other like video, like all the video game music and all my shows? I know what I'm talking about. Well, let's 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 maybe, listen. Let, let's listen. see what uh, our our listeners will feel about it. Here it is. <laughs> I got distracted. It's good. Screw you guys. I uh, love. I think the best part of that song is the damn triangle. That's like over. That's like overwhelming everything. Ching, ching, I, ching, I think part ching, part of my ching. issue with it is is that okay. Every Bond theme has the title of the movie kind of sandwiched in there, forced into uh, it. But like this one, it just it doesn't work. Like it doesn't work <laughs> at all. Like just like the Moonraker goes. Like what are you talking about? Like that. Like. In her defense, she had two weeks. <laughs> I understand, but still, it just seems like it's always forced in there. But something like Thunderball, it doesn't make sense, but you're like, yeah, it works for the song. But that just always sticks out to me. It's like, wait, what are you talking about? You can't say just like the Moonraker goes, like it's a common phrase that people talk about all the time. I sail very frequently, <laughs> and I'll have you know I say that phrase more than you think. Well, then you should have got the, the quiz right. So, so I was <laughs> just waiting for you guys to see if you had it. So in case you you didn't appreciate that version, no fear, because <laughs> the end of the movie it's a different redoes Moonraker, but it's a disco. It is 1979. Yes. So LPJ, yes. you got it ready? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here is Disco Moonraker. I mean, I, I will say I like that version better. Just so our listeners know, Craig WK <laughs> is somehow in short shorts and rollerblades and just <laughs> dancing around the studio right now. If you don't like get, if you don't like disco, get out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I haven't talked to my mother in seven years. <laughs> now it's getting personal. <laughs> so, 
I enjoyed there. that one much more I, than the first I one. I enjoyed yeah. the disco one. The disco one, yeah, I like the disco amazing. one better. <laughs> if, if, if Moonraker is a 10, then the disco version's an 11. I think we can all agree on that, right? <laughs> can you imagine what the opening would be, like the opening montage would be, if that was the theme they Gosh, picked? Gosh, they should have reversed they it. They would have had to be on roller skates. It would have been crazy. <laughs> yeah, it would yeah, been. Been, uh, have been pretty great, yeah. You know, throw the Bee Gees in for like backup vocals. Why did the Bee Gees do a Bond song? Uh, they should have, and they're like all dead now. So, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we can't get it now. Obviously. No, we can't, unfortunately. So there you go. That's, I mean, definitely right smack dab of the disco era. He had to throw some disco Moonraker in there. I mean, they were appealing to popularity. Star Wars, <laughs> disco. Yep. I mean, and and it paid there's off a reason for why them. this movie made two hundred million dollars. <laughs> that was it, right there. <laughs> it that was was it. All right. Uh, well, so just quickly before the plot, mentioned the director. I think we've sent him before, but Lewis Gilbert. Yep. I mean, he directed a couple other Bond movies. I saw The Spy Who Loved Me and You Only Live Twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Christopher Wood, who the only thing I really have note of him is that he also wrote The Spy Who Loved Me. So, yeah. uh, and the composer, of course, uh, John Barry. Yep. Yep. Who, so who composes everything? I mean, he Bond. does a great job in yep. all of the Bond movies. He does the soundtracks to every Bond movie, whether you like the movie or not, are usually pretty dang good. No, I agree. I, yep. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that. Yeah. yeah, and even at the beginning of our episode today, we went with uh, the Moonraker Gun Barrel opening, mm-hmm. which which has a different tone from the Sean Connery ones. You know, again, kind of matching more into the 1970s feel of it. There's a little bit of triangle in that opening too. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay, so let's try and uh, buzz through this plot. Uh, <laughs> we're starting off, we're introduced. What's the Moonraker? It's a space shuttle. It's being transported on top of a plane from the U.S. to England. Some dudes are hidden aboard the space shuttle, I think? Yeah, yeah they're we, hidden we can, in the space shuttle. We can start amazingly. right here already. Mm-hmm. Number one, why are the Brits hauling a, an American spacecraft? Well, it's on loan. They need to borrow it. Yeah, they were borrowing it for... I don't know. Reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, yeah, I like how the guys, the thieves, are just like dressed up in like regular old clothes, like yeah. hiding in a closet on a space shuttle. Yeah, that yeah. was a very, very <laughs> weak. Well, actually, you know what, though? Actually, that, I, I was originally thinking as I started the movie, I was like, that's stupid. That's really, really stupid. But when you realize that it's a space shuttle that Hugo Drax owns and he just wants it back. Yeah. Then it makes more sense. It, it was very easy for them to steal. It was they were very easily on board. There was no security for them because the Trax Corporation allowed that to happen. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'll agree with that. It, don't be wrong. It is kind of hokey, especially at the <coughs> beginning of the movie, where you're just like, "What? Why? Like this is kind of dumb. What's going on?" You know. But but when you when you finish the movie, it's like, oh, "Okay, that's why." So I was listening to the the commentary uh-huh. uh, when I was watching it uh, today, actually. And there are two interesting things that they mention in this this beginning. Number one, it's the only time up to that time that there was ever any plot tied to the opening scene. Usually the opening bonds, like the intros, oh, yeah, are just separate. completely separate from anything. Mm-hmm. It's just something to do. Um, but this was one that you know ties into the plot. Uh, the second thing is they actually joked about the Moonraker scene itself and said, why in the hell would the Brits be hauling a space shuttle that is full of fuel? Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay, now that actually I can't explain away. Well, no, wait. Why would it be ready to go? Once again, it's you because, because Drax, Drax set it up, though? Yeah, yeah, it had to be, right? Because, I mean, Drax wants, just wants his spaceship back because, and don't be wrong, they don't explain this very well, and it's just sort of loosely mentioned in the movie, but, like, 
Drax says. He like his Bond's like, hey, why did you do that? Like that was stupid of you. And Drax is like, yeah, one of my other spaceships had a flaw in it. I needed it back. Yeah, you know. And don't be wrong, it's a little <laughs> hokey, but that is the reason. Okay, we're we're gonna have those. We're like Let's two minutes in. That. Yeah. But let me just say something real quick, and then we're gonna buzz through some other stuff. In. I will accept your premise, but if he knew that he needed this space shuttle, right? So that's why he mm-hmm. had it full of fuel and the guys in it. Then why, why even loan it out at all? Why not just be like, hey, you know what? I don't have a spare one to give you guys. Sorry, and just keep it. Oh yeah, well, no, no, you're th- not. That's wrong. the thing. I think that for that point, I think he had made the spaceship <laughs> for the U.S. and given it to them. At the same time, he was building his own, and then. After he had already given it to him is when he discovered the flaw. I guess you can't really make a contract with a country to like loan out the spaceship and so they can have this like space program or whatever, and then just be like, eh, you know what? Uh, I'd rather not. I'm just gonna tell you all right now. There's no way anyone that made this movie has given this this much. I know. No, I guarantee you. No, they probably have not. There is no way anybody that did this movie thought this hard about this. But I did appreciate this conversation. It's what we're here for, buddy. It <laughs> is why we're here. All right. So they steal the spaceship. Uh-huh. They take off. Plane blows up. Uh, we cut to Bond, who's in a plane himself. He's he- on his last leg. Yeah, of course, because he's <laughs> wah wah. Um, Good work, money. Because he's groping a stewardess. Yes, exactly. Yes. So it turns out, bump a bunch. She's evil. Uh, other guy in the plane, he's evil too. They force Bond like they're trying to force him out of the plane without a parachute. Um, and I, I believe he knocks the guy out of the plane, right? He does. Yeah. Yep. And then somehow, the pilot. Yeah. And then somehow Jaws is on this plane. How does he not see that Jaws is there? <coughs> he's gigantic, and this plane is small, but he sneaks up on him. And pushes. He does have kind of a looming presence throughout this movie where he's always, he's almost always sneaking up on Bond. Yeah, it's, true. it's really weird. It is very weird. So uh, they're tumbling out of the plane. Bond doesn't have a parachute. It's this insane scene where you can obviously tell it's not Bond <laughs> and it's <laughs> no. not Jaws, except for the tight close ups where it's obviously, you know, you know yeah, sure, sure. It's yeah. a set. So they kind of fight a little bit in the air. Uh, he ends up stealing, I believe, Jaws's parachute. And you say yes. that? Is that what happens? No, he steals the pilot's oh, one. Oh, that's right. And Jaws doesn't Jaws's work. Because doesn't work. All right. Yeah. And then Jaws crashes into a circus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't, uh-huh. And apparently with, it's fine. With the drum roll and the cymbal crash and everything when he bolts <laughs> okay. into it. So Such I got to say. Such a end at the end there. The, the, the cheese factor at the end, I could really do without. Yeah. The fact that Jaws like, oh, no, the parachute didn't work. Yeah, I mean, he's like trying to fly. He's yeah, like and that's really hokey. And but the, the idea of, hey, let's throw Bond out of an airplane, and he's got to skydive to steal someone else's parachute, boot the guy in the face, and kick him away. That's really cool. Oh, I agree it's with a that. sweet scene. It it's really, very I cool. Mean, I really it, like that. It gets ruined ends, at the yeah, end. It ends hokey. Yeah. But it's really cool, which I have a pop quiz. Oh, yeah? Maybe. Uh, you, you would if I could do it properly. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so, again, like, we're in the era of a very limited special effect. So mm-hmm. all of that was done for real, um, the whole skydiving scene. How many jumps did it take for them to do it? Oh, three. I'm going to say uh, eight jumps and five skydivers. I'm going to say two jumps. Three jumps. You guys are not even close. 88 jumps. (laughs) It took six weeks to film this scene. Wow. And it was done before anything else in the film, besides one other part of this movie. Wow. Can you believe that? 88 jumps. It was done in California. Wow. 
So, and they had, you know, it was just a guy that was also skydiving with a camera on his head. And the camera couldn't weigh anything more than 16 pounds because if you pull the parachute, you'd snap your neck. <laughs> so they That's had to terrifying. make sure that the camera was light enough. Hey, is this 16 pounds? Yeah, yeah, close <laughs> yeah it's close enough. It's like 15.8. Yeah. You'll, yeah, right. you'll be all right. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That I know, is right? terrifying. It's- so all of that was shot, besides the scenes with Moore and, and Keel themselves, all of that was literally shot from the air. It likely also blows somebody's mind that, uh, you know, like, it's a camera that's 16 pounds. Yeah. They're not really nearly that heavy these days. No. Well, big, heavy, expensive, like, you know, TV ones probably aren't, but yeah. yeah. So after that, we get the intro. Uh, Bond gets his mission, which is basically, like we said, this plane was going to be on loan from the Americans. Uh, they're pissed that it's gone. They're kind of blaming the British. So they tell Bond, you got to figure out where the shuttle is, what happened. Yeah. Uh, introduction, we get Q. Q gives him what I think is one of the laziest Bond gadgets. Oh, I love the bot. I love the wrist watch. I thought it was kind of neat. It wasn't I, even a wrist watch. It was just like a bracelet it's like, with a dart. Gun it's on like it. it's not stealthy at all. It's a giant sure thing that shoots darts. That shoots two kind of darts: red armor piercing. No, red cyanide tipped, blue armor piercing. How do you switch between them? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's sweet. You just lift your wrist up and you kill someone. Yeah, yeah. I I thought it was kind of neat. I I. Man, I feel that's like, like one of my favorite ones. If you're now, do you now, Hovercraft Joe? Is your complaint that the 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 wrist thing, the the dart launcher, is too unbelievable or too lame? No, like too I, low, I, like too I, low down, like down. It's to earth believable. I think it's I think it's lazy. I think it's like a watch with a tube on the bottom, you know. And I think the Bond gadgets are supposed to be interesting things, you know, like. Oh, you know, I don't know. I just I think it's kind of lazy it seems to be, and bulky it, it, and not stealthy. It's, it's not stealthy and it's not spy-like. Listen, they had to scale know, down a little like bit because he was going to space later. I mean, that right? is the thing. You're about to get your wish, but not in the way you want it, Hovercraft <laughs> Joe, because he's about to get some lasers. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Lasers. <laughs> pew, pew, lasers. All right. So they... And here's another problem I think I have a problem with. So they're like, start off your investigation by sending them to Drax Industries, which I'm not sure why, because they built the space shuttle, but why would he need to go there to try and find the space shuttle? Yeah, I, I guess where else would you would you go, though? Yeah, that's true. Like, it's a space shuttle that flew off somewhere. <laughs> I don't know, like, you, like Bond, go to the moon. Did it end up there? Bond, <laughs> go to Antarctica. Did it end up there? You know. Because we spend a lot of time at Drax Industries. Because we that's what, We're introduced yeah. to Drax. We're introduced to the secondary Bond girl, if we will, the helicopter pilot yep. who is Corinne... I believe it's her Something. name. Corinne's her name, yeah. Um, and like just all this stuff where it's like, oh, there's Drax's house. You know, he had it brought over from France and assembled brick by brick. It's this like elaborate mansion, um, which it actually cool. is. It is actually in France. <laughs> That's so true. even though they're yeah. supposed to be in L.A., which is weird as shit. Yeah. Um, apparently the people that <laughs> that make James Bond movies don't know what California looks like <laughs> because I, it just essentially becomes France. It, it is. I mean, I. I on one hand, I think, yeah, that's really kind of hokey. It's pretty crummy writing. However, they were like, okay, do we just want this, like, regular L.A. mansion? Or do we want a fancy castle to shoot the, the scenes in? No. We want a castle. Yeah. And that's what they went with. And it's is it the right answer? Maybe. I don't know. I but think it yeah. makes sense for, for, his, for Drax to have a castle. Yeah. yeah. Drax himself, I got to say, introducing the scene, is very, very cold. 
very like you know he like because there's a lot of Bond villains that are really over the top and like you know some of them are a little on the ho- like kind of lame side. But uh, Hugo Drax is kind of menacing, like when he's like feeding the dogs and they don't eat until he like snaps his fingers yeah. and stuff. Like there's so many things about yeah. him and that I are will say very this. calculating. Ultimately, he doesn't defeat himself, which is what a lot of villains end up doing. Yeah, um, he really is. I would say a really good villain. Like his plan is solid. It, it's it's pe- insane. It's insane. Yeah, <laughs> but as a villain, I think he's actually pretty good. He has one of my favorite lines, too, in any James Bond movie, which is right around this part when he says, look after Mr. Bond. See that some harm comes to him. (laughs) That's a great line. When he's talking to his, uh, I guess the original henchmen we're introduced to, because there's two kind of in this, but Cha, who is his name? I had to look it up. I thought it was Chang. But yeah, it's think Chang. It's, are you sure? Yeah, I, thought I it was, it's Chang. All right, because I saw it both ways. I saw it listed as also, Chang and how, Cha. How racist is it that they got this guy who is Japanese, and they're like, they're like, we're gonna name him Chang, uh, and then there's also a scene later where he fights in kendo gear, which is Japanese, not Chinese, and it's just like you guys couldn't, you guys had to just it, give him the Chinese the name, and I mean that's the thing. It's like you know that was sort of the the crappy style at the time but yeah. yeah so bond takes a tour of the facilities he meets uh dr goodhead uh which i do have a note that says shaking my head at that name uh who's there on loan from nasa uh, i also have a note that says everyone's really acting like bond personally lost the space shuttle everyone seems pissed at him uh, about it which um so then this is it, like bond. so they t- give him the tour they let him ride the centrifuge which is like why do they let him ride the centrifuge i have no idea i don't know but it's a cool scene it is a cool scene I, I gotta say the the fact that like it makes no sense, it, it but is, it's yeah. awesome that Bond was on a centrifuge because they're like yeah so like uh, the machine goes up to twenty they're like twenty Jesus fatal so why have the machine go up to I don't know he okay gets, yeah that's stupid he gets stuck in <laughs> it's the, just like the massage thing in Thunderball yeah. <laughs> like, why is there why is there a death setting I don't so, know <laughs> so he gets caught in it Chang like messes with Jim Coles tries to kill him it's going up to like however many G's you get those hilarious shots of Roger Moore's face. When he's like in the Strider Fuse. What did you see that um, he actually bruised <coughs> his cheek during that scene? So it was just like air propulsion they were shooting at him to make his cheeks do that wavy shit. And it actually like caused bruising on his cheek. What? Seriously? Yeah. Man, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, so Bond gets out of there using that wrist gun, which we're kind of split about. Uh, <laughs> uh, he gets uh, information about Drax from the helicopter pilot. Uh, by of, sleeping yeah, with her. Yeah, of course, sleeps of with course. her. Uh, so he uses this. To, he breaks into Drax's like desk and goes into like his personal safe. She tells him where the safe is. And he gets some information about some like shipping containers or something from uh, Venice in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I do. So the next day happens. They go on like a fox hunt. That's where uh, apparently Bond is on his way leaving, but he stops in for this pheasant hunt. So, um, th- so I, so this scene, I don't, I don't get a whole lot because clearly they're trying to kill Bond. Clearly, Bond knows he's trying to be killed, and he still shows up to kind of say like goodbye. Like everyone knows what's going on, and then you know the guy is hiding in the tree, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, take a shot." And, you know, Bond, you know, he misses. And he's like, you missed Mr. Bond. He's like, did I? Yeah, he shoots, <laughs> the guy he, falls he from the tree sniper dead. in the tree. Well, and he just gives him the gun back. And he's like, all right, have a good day. Why he just it? lets him drive to the yeah, airport. Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> but it's, it's, what I can't figure out is this is Drax's land, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Everybody else is gone. Why doesn't Drax just shoot him? <laughs> I know. 
he's even got his own gun. It's I, also weird that, like, how did Bond see the guy? Like, I feel like they could have done the scene a little better. Like, maybe have, like, I don't know, like, the light of a, the sniper rifle scope uh, tip off Bond. Because Bond, to all we know, is just aiming at the, like, you know, the pheasant, aiming, 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 shoots, and he's says, you missed. And it's like, okay, but, like, we couldn't have the scene done a little bit better? Just, like, like it's not, like, a terrible scene. It's just... Yeah. yeah, it could have been done a little better. Then he kills the chick by yeah, with, the dogs. Which, yeah, like a, twist it, the dog. like a yeah. brutal death where he, Super he sticks his dogs on Corinne, the helicopter pilot, because they know she helped Bond. Send the hounds. But like, we're, that's like, okay, that's in the past. That Snaps happens. his fingers and they go off. <laughs> yeah. So she dies. We move on to Venice. Uh, Bond investigates the glass store, which I guess he got from the information in the safe. Yeah, the Venny glass. Yep. Which they just like, apparently when you go to this glass store, they just let you walk around wherever you want. They're like, oh, check it out. He's walking around the back. There's a glass museum with all this glass stuff, which, surprise, is going to come back oh, to sure. us in a little bit. Um, <laughs> which I think then we're up to the gondola chase. <laughs> yes, How we excited are. were you for the gondola <laughs> chase and the end? Uh, Hovercraft <laughs> Joe, the name <laughs> continues to not disappoint. Woo! I do Woo! have a big note that says the gondola turns into a hovercraft, all which it does because he's he's it oh, absolutely yeah. does. he's getting chased all around the canals and then he gets to a certain point and it's just like and inflates in the bottom and he's in a hovercraft driving through the streets okay. of Venice. Now, before we get to that scene, and no offense, Hovercraft Joe, that scene where they start <laughs> playing the music is garbage. It is hot garbage and I hate that scene. It's one of the scenes I hate the most in this movie, maybe even more than some of the lamer scenes later. The gondola chase you hate? Only at the end when he becomes a hovercraft and oh, they start playing the music and it's oh, like yeah, him driving through music. town. Yeah, 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 that's really with dumb. the pigeon double take. Yeah. Yeah. the pigeon stated. double take is terrible. I yeah, hate that so much. But you know what? This scene, I feel like, could if they got rid of that and lengthened the uh, the funeral boat. Like, the funeral boat comes down, it kicks open, and a dude with, like, this elaborate contraption of knives, and I was like, when I first started watching this again, like, the other day, like, for the mm. research, I was like, oh, this is gonna be sweet. It's gonna be, like, some knife assassin guy, and then he gets, like, uh, like a knife in the heart, and it's like, oh, that's it. And then a guy comes out with a machine gun, and it's like, really? I guess you couldn't the, have that guy. The actor more? that was actually throwing the knives is actually the guy that made the the, the casket. Huh. They just threw him in there, like you can do this. He's like, okay, oh, that's <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. So after Bond gets away with his hovercraft, which is freaking <laughs> awesome, and I totally forgot that it turned into a hovercraft, so it was like pretty crazy that it happened. Which they actually did that because the the, the filming in Venice at St. Mark's Square, which is where he is, was mm -hmm. all actually done. I guess in the commentary I was listening to, they said it was a nightmare trying to film the movie with all the tourists that were there at the time. So he breaks back into the glass place. Uh, there's a secret lab in the back. He used the, the code to get into the lab is the Close Encounters theme, yep. which is like, all right, okay. Oh, is is that what that was? Yeah, the, do, and he, do, actually, do, do. he actually asked Spielberg if he can use it, and he said yes. Why would Spielberg do that? And then in the Goonies, he uses the James Bond theme. Oh, is that their trade? Uh -huh. Yeah, that was the trade. Was the trade. Really interesting. So in this lab, they're uh, filling these glass containers with some sort of chemical. Um, I have that he basically murders those guys in the lab. <laughs> oh, totally. And yeah. I'm like, on purpose with a question mark? Because he leaves one of the vials like precariously perched. Yeah, like they, why do you just have no. it sit on the end? It, they they were murdered by negligence. Yeah. yeah. In his defense, though, I mean, Bond has no clue what this is until we realize what happens when it breaks. They freak out. And it was like, and I even watching the movie, I was kind of like, oh, 
shit, is that nerve gas? <laughs> and then, of course, they die, and it's like, oh, nerve gas. Listen, we're, we're lucky that Bond didn't look at that clear substance and think it was a vodka martini. <laughs> so for all we know, he would have just drank it, and then movie over, he's dead. So well, we hope Bob's dead, perhaps. So, so he leaves with the sample of this uh chemical uh has a fight with chang in the glass museum where believe it or not lots of glass gets broke every single container breaks oh yeah so (laughs) this movie set the record for the most sugar glass broke in a single movie (laughs) yeah i saw that that's great this one scene did I will say when when their fight goes up into the like clock tower and they start like you kind of hear the opera music from outside. Now that I thought was cool, like hearing yeah. the music from outside. I thought that was really neat. And then it immediately and abruptly ends with him throwing him out and like his like legs are dangling and like yeah, they, no, he's, he's head thro- first through a piano yeah. and then he says, "Play it again, Sam." Uh-huh. That's a little hokey. But right before that, it's a cool scene. Right, right before that, <laughs> it is a good fight scene. I like it. It's not bad. I, I like. It's a fun joke too, where there's that one piece of glass that goes off with the alarm, so he puts it back, and then like immediately the guy destroys it. It it, it reminded me of like something out of The Simpsons. Yeah. Just like puts it right gingerly back on, and then it immediately breaks. So uh, he goes back. He find he runs into Goodhead again. Uh, <laughs> finds out that she's CIA, and of course ends up sleeping with her. Um, he brings M back to the site of the lab the next day, but surprise, surprise, it's cleaned out and it's just an office for Drax and he's just sitting Which, in there. Which, why in the hell would he bring them back? It doesn't. He's never done that in a previous movie. Why would he be like, oh, I want you to see this laboratory I found? Yeah, that is a little weird. And yeah. I know they used it as a gimmick to like boot him off for the few weeks and then, yeah, you know. To Rio. Yeah, it, which I will say, I like that uh, uh, line where like, you know, the, the well, whoever it is, like whatever prime ministry. Ministry of Defense. Yeah, ministry, yeah. Yeah, ministry of Defense is like get rid of this guy and runs off and bond is like here this is legit and the guy's like i think maybe you need a leave of absence where were you thinking of uh having it and like yeah. i thought like okay that's kind of cool i like that line yeah so the the action moves to rio now uh and also this is where drax uh hires jaws to replace chang since yeah. his untimely death apparently he's big in the industry he was excited <laughs> to get jaws yeah um and yeah. I oh if you can find him I don't, yeah. I don't even know how to kind of explain this next part. I don't know. Carnival's going on. Bond breaks into a warehouse yeah. and so, finds something there. If you notice, Bond is the only one in a tuxedo. Yeah, he stands out really bad. Because he hasn't been in one yet. they got to be like, when can Bond get in that tux? We'll do it at Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> now, i got to say, uh, for a brief few moments, I thought that maybe they somehow, like, splashed in by accident some horror movie because like in the crowd they show this clown and i and, like while i was watching it, i was like yeah man, was that's real creepy it's like man that's creepy and then he gets into the warehouse and she looks down the alley and it's the clown and i was like oh no it's <laughs> gonna be a murderous clown isn't it and then it keeps getting closer and the whole time i was just like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and then he takes off the thing and i'm like oh it's jaws right 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 yeah. He would have been way scarier if he kept it on, though. Yeah, and, and in the scene, Jaws is defeated because he's a giant man who's swept away in a crowd of dancers who apparently can't walk his way through. He, he also <laughs> can't why, assassinate why he in care, public. Right? Why, wouldn't, yeah, why wouldn't he just have bitten her ass and then moved on? I don't know why he I, felt like he had to do it in uh, discretion. No, he is an assassin, and you can't very well keep assassinating people if you get caught in a public place. I know. Trust me. <laughs> 
Don't ask questions. It's just how being an assassin works. So I think the boxes he finds in the warehouse say, like, Drax Freight on him, so it leads him to investigate, like, the airfield. Yeah, it's those like, orbs. Uh, I felt yeah. like that was kind of lazy. Like, yeah. oh, here, here's a sticker I found. I, I feel like this enti- the entire scene in Rio is lazy. Like, what, what I kind of realized at this part of the movie is that essentially there just continues to become groups of people trying to kill Bond, and there's literally nothing else going on that's moving the story along. Well, yeah, because, I mean, they take this cable car up to investigate the, the airfield. Which and, makes no You know, like, why did he need to do that? And so there ends up being, like, a big fight with Jaws and him. Well, there's and Dr. Goodhead. Goodhead on the cable car. And it's not, it's all very not super exciting. It seems to be just an excuse for them to show off this 7-Up uh, product placement oh, that was in this movie. Oh, totally. oh yeah. Because there's a giant billboard for it. It comes up a couple of times. Now, here's a quick question for you guys. When does Live and Let Die come out? Uh, that was the Before first this. movie. It's that like Morgan. 73 okay. or something. Because yeah. Jeffrey Holder, who was Baron Seventy in that, will become the face of 7-Up for like about a good oh, 10 right. years. Oh, that's right. He did. Oh, yeah. I he, forgot about that. He did the 7-Up uh, commercials where he holds up the, like, the lemon of the yeah. lime. And he's like, this. He's like holds up a cola nut. And he's like, this is a cola nut. This is an uncola nut. And he holds You're up right. like lemon and limes and stuff. Honestly, they're amazing commercials. He's so charming. I guess the cable car scene, one of the stunt double or one of the stuntmen almost fell to his death. Oh, that would be terrible. Yeah, when he went to jump, he like slipped and everyone was like, <laughs> oh, no. like oh shit. But I guess <laughs> it made scary. it. Well, that's good. Yeah. So after this cable car scene, uh, well, obviously the end of it, we're introduced to Jaws's like girlfriend, Dolly. Who... Which that oh my whole God. subplot is so Oh, God, I dumb. hate it. Yeah, it's very unnecessary. It's very, very unnecessary. They were <laughs> they were going to consider bringing Jaws and and whatever her name, Holly or whatever Dolly. it is, Dolly. I don't care. <laughs> they were considering bringing them back for the next Bond movie so they could have like a marriage or something. Yeah, because officially they're not killed off. He's no. at the end of the movie. He's like, oh, they'll be okay. They'll go dumb. through reentry. Dumb. Like, what? Real dumb. <laughs> so Bond and Goodhead get taken away in a fake ambulance. Basically, Bond gets out and she doesn't. She gets captured. It's yeah. very nonchalant about that. <laughs> then he starts rolling in as a cowboy with the Magnificent yeah. Seven. Oh, I couldn't yeah. figure that part in out. the background. Where he go- so bad. Where he goes to where apparently MI6 has built an entire replica of their offices in London in the middle of Rio. Because there's like M has an office there and Q's there and he's talking to Q. He's who- wearing a poncho and a cowboy hat. It is so stupid. He does. And like he talks with M a little bit. He talks with Q. Q doesn't give him any more gadgets. He's basically just like, oh, yeah, that toxin, it's a nerve gas. It kills people, but not animals. Oh, and look at this other cool stuff we're using, <laughs> like the laser. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, like the laser is there for some <laughs> reason. Like, why does Q have pew, a laser? Pew, 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 pew. So they, melts a dude's face. So I think they send him to the part in Rio where the flower is grown that they make the toxin from. Is yeah, that yeah, where it is? Yep. Is yeah. it it's somewhere in uh yeah, in, in the, the Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Yep. So, so then I will say that the boat chase they have is pretty dope. I kinda like that. That boat is really chase. cool. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It it's was a cool. homage to um from Russia with Love. Cousin oh, from Russia. Okay, with yeah, love. that makes sense. It's even the same music. Yeah. So they brought back the old oh, music from yeah. the second movie. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, to do it. I so. mean, it's it's okay. There's a, a really fake looking torpedo, and then he gets away at the end by using a hang glider. I was gonna say it's cool until the hang the glider comes out. It. Then it's like, what the hell? And then it really it's it's at this point that you're just like they are pulling out everything they can for this movie. <laughs> so Jaws goes over the side. He definitely should be dead. Uh, Bond follows a woman to Drax's secret headquarters. Uh, he gets catapulted off a fake 
rock into a pool where he wrestles with the fakest looking snake I've ever seen in a movie. Oh, totally. It's pretty it's pretty fake looking. Uh but we do get to see a very video gamey sight as Bond is going through the Aztec temple, yeah. which is what we'll see in Goldeneye on mm-hmm. the Nintendo 64. It's the one of the last levels in the game, like yep. bonus missions. Yeah. Which it, wasn't there, couldn't you use the laser in Goldeneye too? Yeah. Wasn't that, yeah. There's yeah. like a laser's Moonraker only laser, level yeah. or something? They called yeah. it the Moonraker laser. It's okay. found in this level. And uh, what's interesting is they replicated the, uh, uh, the control room, and it looks Halfway decent, yeah. uh, and there's even the uh, uh, the a switch that opens up the uh, uh, underneath the rocket, and uh, if you you can go through the air vents to get into that room, yeah, uh, which is a really really nice you know yep uh, uh, play. So uh, Drax tries to have Bond and Goodhead killed uh, by putting them under where the rocket's launch launching, like in a conference room, and it's under where the rocket launches for some reason, which seems like an odd place for a conference room. There's a, actually there was a scene that was cut. Where um, yeah. <coughs> where Drax is meeting all the other investors in this, and that's where they're meeting at, is in that conference room. Okay. So anyways, all the shuttles are launching. Uh, Bond and Goodhead get away, and they sneak aboard Moonraker 6. He was going to have a free cremation. <laughs> and then they get up to uh, the space station, which I have too many questions about to even begin here, so I'll just skip them. It's on autopilot. <laughs> um, uh... So we're kind of introduced to Drax's grand plan once we get aboard the right. spaceship. It takes all this time to figure out what the grand plan is. Which is my understanding is that he wants to kill everyone on Earth, and he's brought up all these people that he considers are perfect specimens, and they're going to go back down once he kills all the people with the nerve gas to repopulate the Earth with, like, the you know, these the, perfect The master people. race. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was trying to avoid that. This master race is only, like, maybe a couple hundred people. It's not even a couple hundred people. It a lot like of the uh, technicians so, I mean, didn't see master race do, potential. Do you really need like 50 people for the entire planet? You had to kill everyone? I mean, here's the thing. Drax has a god complex. He yeah. even like uh, uh, he, he essentially is is pulling a Noah's Ark. And uh, as far as that goes, I, I, Drax is like really, really rotten. And he even talks about how uh, uh, like the... Like the he, he like refer like refers to heaven like like that when he sends these people back down they'll look up and know that there is law and order like he is referring to himself as God like he's totally nuts yeah and not many other Bond villains have a God complex no, gotta true. give him a lot of credit for that so they figure out the reason that no one's found the space station is because it's got like a radar jamming thing on it that's so, no moon that's a space station of course so, it does so Bond and Goodhead uh. They beat up a bunch of guys. They destroy the the radar jammer. So people on Earth are suddenly like, oh, crap, there's a space station up there. And they send a shuttle full of Marines? Space Marines? The Space <laughs> Marines. Why, why would that be the first thing they would think was, oh, there's something up there. Better bring the Marines. I mean, you know, space. This was <laughs> now. This was an era where space travel wasn't as well known. Maybe it was just sort of like that's the first not as gu- well known, like hardly existent. Besides, like a trip to the moon and back, traveling right. around yeah. orbit. I mean, yeah, it was pretty non-existent. So you know, maybe they just thought, well, if there's something up there, we might have to kill it. So they send us sh- one shuttle up that apparently has room for like 50 space marines in it. Uh, a big old battle breaks God out in space America. where it's just like. Everyone's shooting lasers jet lasers, and jetpacks. And, and, and all this time, Drax is dropping, uh, they're dropping off these, the like, those globes. Yeah. 
uh, across in, into the atmosphere that are going to disperse the chemical that kill everybody on Earth. Yeah, and th- there's so much lasers in this stuff. It's filthy with lasers. Uh, this space battle, I have a note that says it's literally one of the worst things I've ever seen. They're floating around. <laughs> oh, it's shooting each other. It's just, it's awful. Uh, they don't even make the good guys and the bad guys have different color lasers, so you can tell what's going what on there. What is this, G.I. Joe? Yes, this is exactly. James Bond. So they said in the commentary that um, <coughs> they were out of time because when the Bond movies, they were they would have a hard release date, and they had to finish the movie before that release date. Oh. Like, it was an era, I guess, where, like, moving the movie back was was unacceptable. So they had to get this movie done. So they're like... We were aware of all the new technology that Star Wars brought. They're like, we couldn't use any of it because we just didn't have time. Yeah. So they literally just had these backdrops and just had these guys dressed up in these spacesuits and just tried to make it look as real as they could, which it fails miserably. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the battles themselves inside the spaceship look really hokey. So Bond ends up taking out Drax and using like somehow like three terrible one-liners because he shoots them with the cyanide thing from the... Dark oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he shoots him in the heart. He says, heartbroken, Mr. Drax. Shoots him out of the airlock and <laughs> says, take a giant step for mankind. Um, and then uh, I think he tells someone that uh, Drax had to fly. Yeah, He had to yeah. fly. I feel like if you trim out the Drax had to fly, that's just lazy writing, I feel like. The the giant set for mankind, okay, yeah, the moon landing wasn't that long ago. It was a little bit more fresh in people's minds. Uh, the, you know... Uh, the, yeah, the, I feel like you could have trimmed out the, the last one and then chose one of the other one-liners. I also like just going back real quick how it was so convenient that there was an emergency stop button that Bond could push. Oh, look, it's right there. <laughs> to, to then get rid of the gravity. So then everyone just starts slow motion floating. <laughs> I like, feel... we can't function anymore. One of the scenes that I think annoyed me the most is that, and I liked the, the, the concept, is... Bond is caught. He has no idea what to do, and so there, he's like, "Hey, uh, Master Race, huh? Hmm. If you if you don't fit into it, it's not gonna be great, right?" And Jaws starts to put two and two together. I like that, but why was the girl there? Like, why wasn't he just a goon on the spaceship? You liked that part. I hated that. I'm like, why does Jaws give two shits? The dude is massive and could just kill everybody. Because I mean that that's true, right? Like he has a bunch of like. Aryans basically on his spaceship and Jaws is this like hulking bruiser that's like seven feet tall and like a giant metal mouth. Like, yeah, and so all of a sudden he grows a heart and he wants to save the world. No, he, he doesn't want to get killed. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to get killed, he wants to save his girlfriend. I, I feel like he could have done without the girlfriend I feel the girlfriend like the girlfriend stuff. was going to stay alive. No, they he was going to kill her. It looked like she was working on the space station. I figured Drax had her up there to do shit. Mm. Why was she even there? She met him like a few days ago. All, all good questions. Uh, <laughs> I don't have answers. So after Drax is dead, the space station is is, is kind of falling apart. But they got to go get these things that they've already launched into the yep, atmosphere because like five of them have got launched. Use so convenient, pulse, conveniently, Moonraker Five has a laser on it. So convenient. Let go. Uh, Jaws <laughs> helps Bond and Goodhead escape and get in the shuttle. Um, which is which uh, the, the the space station is breaking up and going into the atmosphere, and Bond's like. Don't worry, they'll make it. What is he talking about? <laughs> what is Why he basing it on? It's insane. 
So <laughs> I think probably if I had to wager a guess, <coughs> I feel like Bond really didn't think they'd be okay. But I think that he had to get the hell out of there and he was just like, Yeah, good, Ed, don't worry, they'll be fine. Yeah. I think it's they'll like be a, okay. it's like a meteorite destroys the thing and it blows up. And they'll be all right. I feel <laughs> like it's like the old uh, you know, uh, uh the, the pets went away to summer camp thing or something, uh, you know. Ah, they'll be fine. So they chase down all the all the probes, is that what we're calling them? Sure. Orbs, orbs, orbs. orbs whatever satellites yeah. they destroy all of them with the lasers that are on the guns um so they save the day uh they make a note of letting you know that oh jaws and dolly did survive i don't know how but they say that in the nasa one <laughs> and then okay so then we're at the very end of the movie <laughs> this is, this is this so is gross this is the grossest thing ever oh, so I they're like they're making a big deal how it's like oh it's the first time the americans and the british have had this successful mission together so Buckingham we're gonna Palace, we're gonna patch it through blah 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 so they patch into the space station uh bond and goodhead are floating in the air doing it and my uh, god what's bond doing and q says i think he's attempting re-entry sir <laughs> i love it so and i'm like that's just gross so stupid. <laughs> and then we get the disco version of the theme song oh the uh, end one last thing another star wars riff is he has to get rid of the auto targeting and shoot him, oh, shoot at himself. Oh, right. oh, I didn't catch that. Go yeah. Manual. It, yeah, he had to do it manually, and it was <laughs> all tense and stuff. And it's totally a ripoff of Star Wars. That line at the end of this movie, tempting reentry. It, it might be like the top three favorite <laughs> line for me Why? of all the James Bond quotes. It's so dumb. I it's, think he's attempting reentry. It's sir. so bad. And it's one of those it's ones as good as I thought. Only Christmas came once a year. <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones too that when I, when I was a kid and first saw this. I didn't get it, I don't think. Like, I don't think it, until, like, watching it now as an adult, and I'm like, oh, that's just gross. <laughs> it's so... Yeah, it's very shocking. <laughs> All right, so there's Moonraker. <laughs> For that quote alone, it's getting a half a machine gun up in my book. <laughs> So let's get to, I do actually believe it or not, have a role reversal for this. Do you really? I do. Okay. Oh, shit. So I have uh, d- just two. Okay. So the first one for for, uh, for Goodhead, it was going to be Jacqueline Smith. She actually was offered the part. Okay. And then turned it down because she had contractual obligations for um, uh, Charlie's Angels. So okay. she couldn't do it. Hmm. So Jacqueline Smith, I, she would have been fine. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. Yeah. Yep. Would have been okay. Uh, the next two for Drax, James Mason. Who, I don't know how to describe James Mason. I don't know who that is. He's a famous English actor. He has a very distinct way of speaking. I don't know that. I think he would have been okay. But uh, the other one is Louis Jordan. I did see that one. Who ended up being Kamal Khan in Octopussy. Oh. Okay. I think he, I just think of him in Octopussy. So I don't know how he would have been as Drax. I, I think he'd be totally fine too. I don't know that it would be any really any different. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Um, do we want? Do we need to do the uh, bracket? Oh, I think we do need to do the bracket. All right, we? well, let's uh, take a break here and, uh, and and check in with our action movie bracket. There we go. All right, it's time for the action hero bracket semifinal number two. With me, I have a special guest. I have Ash with me. Ash, say hi. Hi. Uh, Ash, the semifinal number two is. Indiana Jones versus Wolverine. Yep, Indiana Jones versus Wolverine. We had last round, we had Indiana Jones facing off against Han Solo, both played by Harrison Ford, and of course Harrison Ford won as Indiana Jones. Uh, and then and then Wolverine, the quintessential 
Marvel hero as far as, uh, you know, he's been in, I would say he's had the most titles all overall as far as, as far as comics go. And, uh, and he's definitely the hero of the X-Men movies. Um, who, who are you voting for? In categories, likewise, of Last Round, I think Indiana Jones. But otherwise, since Wolverine is my favorite character, I'm going to go Wolverine. All right. So, you heard it here. Ways. You hear it here. Asher can't decide. Um, we're going to have to rely on our fans to decide. Action Hero Bracket, semifinal. The winner goes on to the finals. All right, that is a very interesting matchup. What a matchup. I don't know how we're going to decide that one. That is bonkers. I'm very torn. (laughs) We're all very torn. Um, I think, uh, do you think we're ready to rate this? I would say so. Oh, yeah. I think we might have did that out of order, but. Yeah. You're going to hit the button there, LPJ? You seem really excited. uh, Sure, we'll, we'll, we'll rate this thing. All right. Craig, since you're the guest. You get to go first. Or choose one of us to go first. Ooh, I want to choose someone else to go first. Uh, I really am curious what Hovercraft Joe has to say, because he's really been <laughs> down on the movie. And honestly, my rewatching of it, I thought, oh, wow, this is not nearly as bad as I thought it was. Oh, boy. I was really hoping I wasn't going to have to go first. I'll go first. Okay, you, you go first. Then, I please. ordered it. Hovercraft <laughs> Joe, I demand you go first. All right. I'll go first, then. I, I, Roger Moore is not my James Bond. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat. I don't think he's the worst, but maybe he is. I don't really like his movies that much. There's a couple that are okay. I don't I don't enjoy the campy James Bond. I don't enjoy it. And this is so campy. I mean, it's fun to watch from a standpoint of us talking about it and having a laugh about it. But, yeah. like, even in this one, Roger Moore seems old to me. His fights seem like they're in slow motion. Um, I, I just don't find any of the set pieces that interesting in this. The space stuff is ridiculous. Like, we didn't even have time to get into the fact that there's, like, 200 people on the space station apparently all transported up in six space shuttles, which is, like, insane. They show that each of these space shuttles is carrying, like, 12 people max. Mm-hmm. It's just, th- there's so much. I And I know you guys talk about Drax and kind of liking him in this. I honestly think he's kind of boring. His delivery of all his lines I find to be kind of dull. I just don't find him to be a, that interesting. Like, yeah, his plan, okay, maybe... I will say he's playing a sound, and if that space shuttle, if he hadn't had to seal that space shuttle, he would have got away with it, and no one would have ever known it was happening, which I think is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, but uh, I don't know. It was fun to watch for this purpose of the podcast, uh, and it's fun to talk about and have a laugh. So I think I'll give it uh, two machine guns. Right. Okay, I'll go next. It's probably one and a half, but because it's so much fun to talk about, two. <laughs> I think he's attempting reentry, sir. <laughs> I found myself enjoying this movie more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is about this movie. I really enjoyed watching it. Well, you never really had that negative of feelings on it initially, at least not from my impressions of, of my, us talking about our least favorite bond. My, uh, my, um, my impression of it was always that it was not one of the better Bond films. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of some Bond films that are definitely way better than it and sure. some that are definitely way worse than it. Um, but overall, I kind of enjoyed this movie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would necessarily go back and watch it again anytime soon. Um, but I definitely, I was not bored by it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed kind of the plot of it, believe it or not, and how stupid it is. And I, I, I like the dumbness of this movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to give it, but I'm not going to go crazy with this. I'm only going to give it three machine guns. 
I, you, you pretty much nailed it for me. I, I'm the exact same way. It, it it is still like my second least favorite Bond movie, but we clearly know it's that, still a Bond movie. It's still a Bond movie. <laughs> and I still have to give it a decent rating. It is silly. It is dumb. I don't. Why in the hell is James Bond in outer space? I don't space, know. Space, space, space. Um, but it's I can rewatch this, and I have rewatched it, and it still drags me into it. So it's going to get three machine guns. Yeah, I I had a lot more fun watching this than I thought. Uh, I enjoyed Hugo Drax. Uh, maybe not the best Bond villain by any means, but I enjoyed him. Uh, I mean, the laser stuff is hokey and over the top. Uh, if you had asked me before I rewatched it, I would have probably said probably like one and a half, two tops. Uh, but rewatching it, I think I'm going to have to give it a three. There we go. I feel like a three is 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 honestly maybe even a little low because maybe it deserves a little higher for that <laughs> disco song at the end. Oh, I can't forget about the song too. It had a hovercraft in it, Joe. Yeah, that's why I got a two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was Moonraker. Um, we have so many other things here at Gamezilla Media. Craig, what do you want to plug? Yeah. So uh, they were kind enough to bring me on. Uh, I'm on. Uh, three podcasts. I have The Legend of Retro, uh, where we talk about old classic video games. I'm on Noiseland Arcade, where we talk about uh, classic episodes of The Simpsons, working our way from season one and on. Uh, I'm on Noobs and Dragons, uh, which, as far as that goes, I feel like there's going to be some fun and exciting things to announce uh, coming forward that I think all of your listeners are going to be uh, into. And as far as that goes, I'm also on Twitch. Uh, Hash, or, uh, uh, twitch.tv slash Craig underscore WK where I'm streaming classic video games Monday through Friday 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, and then Gamezilla Media has the Gamezilla podcast which is on oh, yeah, that Mondays thing. live on Twitch and then you can listen to it on Tuesdays. Yeah, yep. and actually we, we at this point for when this is going to come out we can announce that Sphinx and I are on season two. Oh, of this is releasing uh, later. That's amazing. So yeah, this is uh, uh, something we can announce. Sphinx and LPJ are on season two of Noobs and Dragons. So make sure to check out that show because starting with season two, uh, two of your favorite co-hosts uh, not the third favorite co-host because Hovercraft Joe was uh, not able to make it, but <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. Uh, you at least got you know your 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 silver and your bronze you know metal coming in uh, <laughs> to uh, Hooves and Dragons. Make sure to uh, check out that show. As did I... you just did you just chew jab at us right there yeah, on our own show? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's just so all of your listeners know, I'm going to make them suffer immeasurably. <laughs> On this Dungeons and Dragons podcast, so you make sure to check that out if you want them to be suffering. Because okay, we got to go. Well, Craig, thanks for being here. Yeah, Good to see you. Much. So great to see you. Great. This yeah. last action podcast <laughs> has been terminated, but we'll be back.